Hi, I'm Oliver Lennon and welcome to the Sendeo podcast, uh, where we delve into all things conversational AI with some of the sharpest brains from some of the most innovative companies in the world of customer experience. These are not a series of interviews, but conversations, um, regular discourse designed to provoke, educate, enlighten the business professionals with insights, learning and guidance on leveraging conversational AI to deliver meaningful CX. Today is joined by Nat Walker. Nat has been with Vodafone for six plus years designing conversational AI solutions uh, manifest itself in their bot called Toby, accessed on their mobile app or through their website. Great conversation with Nat today from family weddings and how everyone uh, knows what the likes of Nat and I do, right through to how Nat and her team are taking Vodafone on a journey of using uh, conversational design, um, how they've actually incorporated uh, conversation AI into their mobile app and how they're augmenting those journeys. And um, listen out some really great advice from Nat and specifically around the often asked question nowadays, which is AI going to take our jobs? And I think Nat's answer summed it up brilliantly it's uh, not large language models or ai that'll take our jobs but it's someone who knows how to use these technologies who ultimately will enjoy the lesson nat walker welcome to this and podcast how are you this afternoon good thanks i'm coming to you live from sunny stoke on trent in the, in the north um yeah it's a good i've actually got all my team in in uh, our office today so it's been a really great day when the whole team's here fantastic well um, it doesn't look too sunny but then again i can't see too much of the, <laughs> too much of the outside i do hope it's it's actually sunnier than it is in belfast which actually today sadly, i'm not. just peering out a window here today's not too bad but it has been oh, pretty sadly visible. it's torrential downpour here as well the uh, least sunny place ever actually <laughs> um well we'll not go into i know we had a few technical issues before we joined um the uh, the podcast for two technologists. Um, it took <laughs> well, not to let our audience know it took us the best part of twenty minutes to get Zoom working. But uh, um, we we might run another series of podcasts at some point on the do's and don'ts of Zoom. But let let's not go there. Not um, <laughs> you give me a little bit of background. So you're currently working with the Vodafone. You're working in conversation AI and particularly UX. So I'll let you you'll explain your background obviously much better than I. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been part of the kind of Vodafone journey into conversational uh, experiences for uh, six years, seven, nearly seven years now. So um, at Vodafone, we've been live with a customer-facing chatbot called Toby since 2017, and I've been here since day day one, pretty much. Um, so part of my kind of remit here is around our overall experience with the bot including like conversation design as a specialty um our nlu maintenance and exploring like kind of our how we can innovate with it with that space but still have you can imagine quite important for vodafone complete control over an experience um and yeah i've been part of this for six years prior to that i was um kind of a freelance designer and i worked on projects of google design museum Swarovski is a random <laughs> addition there, non-tech. Um, and yeah, it's kind of been a, an exciting, frustrating, difficult, but awesome journey to this point, really. 
and so, um, feel, feel lucky every day to be involved, really. And um, obviously, it's a quite an interesting time in the industry. Conversational mm-hmm. design, I know it's become... Uh, I guess a lot more, well, maybe a lot more. It's, people are starting to get familiar with it, but obviously yeah. you've been doing this for years. And going back to my own history, we used to do what we called VUI, voice user interface designs for IVRs for 15, 20 years ago. And people didn't under, really understand the importance of how you ask questions and how you elicit response. And, and it's a, it is a real mm-hmm. um, skill, I guess. So just you know, give me a little bit of background on, into conversational design and the type of things that you and your team are looking at and I guess what's the importance of it? Yeah, and I mean, you, you mentioned it there with IVRs. Like, it's always been a thing where people know what a conversation is, but I think in real life there's that kind of rich um, set of cues that we all instinctively know in our sentence structure and how we make eye contact even over Zoom, um, body language and signals, and that tells us when it's our turn to interact and when it's our turn to do a thing the difficulty in where conversation design comes in i suppose is what a machine does or you know whatever that platform is doesn't care about those cues and actually can't digest them and this is where our conversation design team are focusing on translating those cues into ways of writing ways of structuring dialogue or a journey so that for us customers know when it's their turn to speak or their turn to interact or give us a piece of information and make it super easy and not scary because um, it's important to note like this technology, you know, we've, we've designed has been around in IVR and things like that for a while, but for customers, it feels like it's moving very quickly. It, it's like a perception that cost companies are very quickly implemented things like bots. You know, IVRs have been around for quite some time now. Um, and it's bringing them along. And the big focus for the conversation design teams is, kind of supporting him in, in that in that making it so easy that they don't they're not put off by this new technology the word bot isn't a scary thing it's there to make things a bit easier and a bit quicker and translating those very human elements of a conversation to something that's powered by a machine ultimately yeah and and we'll probably pick up on a few of those elements and i know again as the the technology i guess evolves from an ai perspective things like um, sentiment and empathy and understanding are starting mm-hmm. to become, I guess, more accessible. Um, and uh, I mean, what challenges would you normally face? Because I'm thinking back again, I'm going back years when we were doing voice user interfaces. And obviously one of the challenges we faced then that, you know, there's no physical manifestation of it. So everything is down to the cognitive process that happens within your brain when you hear a piece of audio and how you respond to that. And I know mm-hmm. on a chatbot, say, for example, or conversation AI, you have a degree of visual uh, representation or visual cues, but it's still quite limited. It's Okay, you can do images and graphics, but it's still a very textual type input compared to, you know, a mobile app or a website or whatever. So, you know, what are the typical challenges that you see uh, being faced both from the consumer as well as then from, you know, you're obviously working in Vodafone from the from the organization perspective? Yeah, I mean, I suppose from a customer kind of point of view, it, there's, when you do have text, it, it could be a benefit, but also it's an extra opportunity to, to introduce difficulties, especially if you think accessibility or reading ages is really, are really important to actually be able to get the information across. And with 
you know, I'm talking from Vodafone specifically, we sell and provide that many products. You easily stray into jargon land, which can disconnect people up front from what you're trying to talk about. And sometimes there's no avoiding that jargon, but it's about, okay, how can we leverage a visual aspect to break that down and make it really simple to understand? Um, I think this is where I misquote probably, but the reading age is around like eight to 10 years old or, you know, UK um, consumers. So you've got to be conscious that complex topics have got to be broken down to be understood at that level um, across the board. Easy to say, actually a bit harder to do when things are uh, complicated. And I think on the flip side of that, the kind of the development and design teams is um, people are quite unpredictable. And to provide an easy and straightforward experience, you want to give them the flexibility to talk how they talk or how they naturally type or spell or speak. But then you open up infinite branches of your journey to digress. And, you know, we see it every day when we go and look through transcripts. Like People are not predictable. That's the same in any conversation. But the difficulty you have when you're building a bot or a voice bot, whatever, whatever uh, medium, is preempting that and how you handle that. And then some of that is probably the trickiest thing and it's going to be a case of some days, oh, we should have thought of that or that's so obvious that that would happen. But sometimes it is like, oh, that desire path that people establish of how they want to use things will surprise you. And it's because you have the the natural bias of your company because yeah. you know those processes, you understand those questions and being able to think, okay, how, how would someone else perceive that? It's tricky. Yeah, and and maybe we'll come on to this how the you know project typically structured. But I again I remember going back some you know projects we would have worked on, particularly whenever some of this more natural language, be that voice or text, come come to the fore, and it was very much, you know, we just want it completely open, and we want the user to say. And like my view was quite often, well, why would you do that? You know, you have to balance the let's direct them in a certain way because, you know, we as the organization or you as the organization understand what products and services you're able to handle on this particular channel. So therefore, why let them say anything um, when you know there's only a certain few things? So um, do you find that yourself within the likes of Vodafone where your stakeholders are maybe, you know, just want to have it completely what we used to call open um, as opposed to some form of directed dialogue and I know that, that can be a dirty term in some regards as people think oh it's a very structured mechanism yeah and I, and I think there's like two parts that as well like it's so I've got a whole thing about just because you can doesn't mean you should and that is very applicable to chatbots and especially when they're kind of the hype the you know they're everywhere across the business every proposition or product or new thing wants to be have a journey and sometimes they don't necessarily require that and customers don't want that either because it's not the right channel or a chatbot isn't the right isn't the appropriate way to get help and um <laughs> i'm just thinking about how many of that, those we've had over the, the time at vodafone so one of the things we've tried to be really focused on a framework of okay what is valuable in a bot what can a bot bring that's valuable versus a page or part of the app because it's not always, it doesn't have to be in all of those places. Um, some things do require a back and forth and we've probably gone on the more flexible side and we probably are quite open for users versus getting them on railroads. 
Um, thankfully, a lot of that decision is held within our kind of box center of excellence. Yeah. It's not necessarily something we call that, but it is essentially that. Um, it's more about the content going into the bot where we would see pressure from, or pressure or expectation from wider areas of the yeah. business. But because we've we've put quite a lot of work into defining what is a valuable chatbot experience, that that's a bit easier to manage in 2023. Ask uh, 2018 that, and that's probably a different answer you yeah. get where I'm bombarded with requests. And it, it's, um, and I'm going to explore a little bit more about Vodafone, but you're doing, Toby is within the app. Is Toby on the website? And is there a voice element to Toby? Or are those some of those yet to come or roadmap activities? Predominantly chat. And it's open to customers and non-customers yet. So um, it's, it's on the website as well as in the Vodafone app. So it's largely kind of existing customers who can authenticate to get into journeys. There is a very new voice element to that. Um, so uh, not fully in live to customers yet, but we've got quite um, a mature IVR for Vodafone. So it's it's at the stage where it's, again, the value thing. So versus uh, a conversational bot and that's distinct to an IVR. Um, so it's not live to customers yet in terms of a, you know, a, a new voice medium of, of toby um quite established in chat though but but that's the path we, of, ultimately the path of travel that you guys will go over the next number of years um yeah it's and again i've I had some debates with uh customers of ours around when you embed let's say toby or the chat or the conversation ai within the app um one school of thought is if you have to do that and put a significant amount of functionality within the conversation AI in the app, your app has failed. Because by definition, your app should be easy to use. It should be intuitive. Um, I mean, what what's your view on that? Where, and I guess, where do you strike that balance? Because, yeah, you know, you could ultimately try to replicate everything in the app in the conversation AI, or you could try to have an app without any conversational AI. And, and where do you get that balance and how do you strike it, I guess? For me, it's about complementing. If the app is the, the central point for your users to get support, how can a conversational experience enhance it, not duplicate it? I'm very strongly against duplication of the same uh, kind of user journey because exactly your, you know, some people's school of thought, which is if you can do it simply already, what's the need for this? But I still think that um, people crave someone hearing them and so the way to address that sometimes is through a bot. Like it sounds unnatural, but they you've been heard because you're you've been understood about. Okay, I did this thing in the app. Maybe it didn't do exactly what I needed. How can I get further help? And the business objectives are different place to place. But if that is okay, let's focus to our uh, free up. Sorry, our human staff to do the really meaty, difficult, complex stuff. If we can still address some stuff through and it complements our app let's do that so okay. I, th I think they oh, go ahead go ahead i think they can complement each other um is, is i suppose the crux of it i was going to ask do you um and again whatever you can disclose do you find many of those journeys where the user maybe has struggled to do something in the app then is coming into the chat or into toby and saying i was trying to do xyz and i've got stuck or i've got lost or not necessarily 
primarily, I think the, and this, because of the nature of Vodafone business, is um, there's simple things that they find the information, but they have further questions. So billing is a great example of that because you can have a really straightforward bill. You might want to question those charges or why you've paid for a certain thing. That is something that's hard to do in something like an app. Much easier to do in a dialogue where you can say, what does this mean? Why have I been charged this? And then it's all in one interaction, but you you know, you might have four different questions about one bill. Um, I wouldn't even like to think about how hard that would be to design within an app and make it kind of simple and easy. And that's where they complement each other, be able to access your bill through the app, ask further questions with a bot. And then, you know, if there is something further than that, make it super easy to speak to a person as well. And they become one team. Yeah. They're, they're a team. <laughs> I was going to come on to that, um, the agent piece, because again, traditionally in the industry, I mean, but, but clearly, well, not clearly, in the, in the industry, there's two key aspects. There's one, driving really good customer experience. And second is, how do you do that operationally, efficiently? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have a highly efficient operation and a terrible experience, or you can have a brilliant experience, but cost you an awful fortune. Again, balancing that, and I remember going back some old systems we were b- building many years ago, and it started out with we, you know, the classical deflect, deflect, deflect. We don't want agents. Let's hide all the options to speak to an agent or engage an agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- what's your view there? Do you feel that you know you should be doing that? And I, I kind of know the answer. Well, I hope I know the answer to this, but <laughs> you should be doing more of that or less of that, particularly when you're trying to design a. And I think your focus is on a really good experience mm-hmm. it, yeah i mean you probably know i'm going to say i don't think we sh- you should hard deflect away from people because that part of the thing with bots in particular is building trust for people with that um that tool or platform and if you are hard you know walled garden no further help that trust is unlikely to ever be there now I appreciate there's going to be hard business objectives and a lot of the time it's going to be to do with cost saving and um, maybe cutting out contacts or something in, in that area. There's still a way to do that that isn't, that isn't about completely eliminating the human element for me. And that could be time saved. Um, one of the ways we did that is that a bot is brilliant at doing things right every time because it's programmed authentication is something that anyone that's ever had a chat with any business that's something what's your name what's your date of birth what's pin uh, the second and sixth digit of your pin and you know just because of the nature that's going to take a little bit of time it's something that can be sped up i think uh, it's around five times faster minimum uh, with a bot conversationally even and so you can still achieve those cost saving objectives in that because if you've got contact centers they're spending less time on some of their chats even if they need to take those chats you're freeing them up quicker because you're, do, you're doing some of the processes that automation does really well that humans tend to have a little chat in between yeah. and um you know and and that's still a, a, a great cost save uh, yeah cost saver but it's gonna be that lovely experience because the, the goal is to, for the, the customer to get what they need to do done. And sometimes that's going to require complexity yeah. that you want to keep that trust there. Yeah, and I mean, as you're chatting there, I was just thinking it's one of your competitors, I shall not name whom, um, 
they have a very frustrating experience and I've used it because I'm a customer and uh, so you will use the bot and as you say using the bot sometimes and okay I'm I'm in technology and involved in these systems therefore I'm, I'm easy pickings in that sense but I'll do maybe the ID the identification and verification process and I'll go through the bot the automation to do that and then ultimately if I need to co- uh, contact to or connect to an agent they will quite often put me through the same process again and I really does I'll not use the words that I could use. it's the most frustrating thing and I think and I think that's a process thing it's not a tech because CTI telephony mm-hmm. integration and um, passing data has been around for again 20 years so the technology is here and it just really makes me scratch my head to seeing why and I assume it's processing why organizations frustrate customers like this yeah and and because I think there's a general and not necessarily perhaps less so in tech kind of people but you you would assume that the research would say people want real people to talk to and actually at least in the research I've been involved in that's not the, the case that the what consumers and what users of these things want is simplicity and speed and if that is a bot or if it's a bot human blend they're fine with that but you know at least from from this insight it's getting it right and actually that's what matters so i think when you kind of give into the oh you know the bot is going to be this or they're not going to like this then yeah because if you're not putting the focus on the right element of the experience they're not they're probably not going to but we know from this research that is not what real users think yeah. but they will think that if you keep them trapped and you deliver like a really poor experience um because you also won't um manifest your cost savings because if you have other channels they're probably going to go there yeah um of contact no i agree and and you know I, the analogy i've used for years now around automation is the atm you know it, it's so if i want to get withdraw money from my bank you know going down to an atm at whatever time midnight on a Saturday, if I'm ever out at midnight on a Saturday, rarely <laughs> nowadays, but anyway, to, um, to pick something up, maybe a beer, and if I walk up to the ATM and I press three buttons and I get £40 or whatever it is out, I know every time I press those buttons, without fail, certainly without fail for me in many years, it gives me the money, it's a good experience. Is that a better experience for me than waiting to Monday morning to queue up in a bank to speak to a bank teller to ask them for my 40 pound or whatever it is. I, I fundamentally believe it is but it's simple and it's trusted and it works every time and i think mm-hmm. that's part of the secret of, of any level of automation for, you know whether it's ai or conversation ai or ivr so um and i think yeah. sometimes we lose sight of that totally and because we adopt technology in every part of our lives accept it and then it's almost like this kind of Oh, but bots are different. AI is a conversational AI is different. These kind of you know, went the big uh, GPT scariness. You know that's different, and it's actually not. It's about how you leverage it to enhance our day to day. And I love that. I might steal that from now on. That example. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, it's brilliant. And I would also say, if you and I, I forgot the number now. How many hundreds of thousands of ATMs there are in the UK? So my um, again, continuation of that, if you were to announce tomorrow morning and the government all ATMs were being banned, there'd be absolute uproar. Um, whereas if you said all IVRs and all bots are being banned, there would be probably loud applause from, from lots of people. So yeah. I, I think until they had to call a manual switchboard. Correct. 
stand in a queue or wait for yes someone to connect um but, but funny and you mentioned there the gbt and chat gbt which is obviously all the rage funny i was at a family wedding at the past weekend and um the whole talk of the lots of people at the wedding was ai <laughs> how it's gonna and of course most are a lot of the family friends knew what i do for a living you know so um it was um, we'll how, your way. how AI was going to destroy the world and take over the world and how we're all doomed. <laughs> I, d- I mean, maybe you get, I don't know whether you get this at, at, at family gatherings or outside of your work environment, Nat, do you? It's funny, yeah. Like, sometimes I think, thanks for the compliment. You're asking me a question that I could never answer. Like, um, they kind of, they'll ask me about how do they work? Like, how are they structured? And I feel like I wish, I had the, the way to answer that for you. But yeah, it's funny Like you, it's also over the years, it's been interesting how hard to describe my job it's got because UX was hard enough. And um, then when you get into this, you're like, so it's AI and then we shape how that feels people. And then, but yeah, those, it's since uh, GPT, because it's a common language, everyone can now talk about these things. Like the questions have shifted. Like, do you think they'll change your job? Like, is it going to change the way that jobs work? And I suppose, yes, it is going to change all of our jobs in some form, I suppose, this access to this new technology. But um, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, maybe. But, um, you know, for Toby specifically, and when we've got a business with, like, um, an NLU-based bot like we have today, I don't think there's an immediate change that we'll see because something like Vodafone is so tightly regulated. Like, we're an FCA-regulated company. That risk right now is not worth it. Not to say internally, though, that we can't leverage that technology um, to make a better experience with our current bot or to condense masses of information into simple processes. That point we had right at the start about how do you make something really complicated, straightforward for customers? Hey, we might have something that we can leverage here. But, um, yeah, the questions are going to family, friends, senior leaders and companies. I think they're going to keep yeah, coming if you have are. AI anywhere near your job title. Indeed. I mean, and again, as much as you can discuss, um, <laughs> large language models are obviously very, they regard their, their, everyone's talking about them, be that mm-hmm. friends and families or, or CEOs of corporations and wanting to you know. Again, I was at a meeting last week and um, with a company and they want to do a board presentation around how they're going to la- leverage generative AI. And my first question is, mm-hmm. well, what does you want to achieve? What what what's your outcome here? You know, <laughs> um, but you touched on a couple of things there around. You know, you're an FCA regulated company. I mean, what's what's the thoughts within Vodafone to leverage large language models? Because we all, well, most of us know that yes, they're fantastically good at giving a really good conversational engagement. They're not always correct. So. So from a, again, take Vodafone as, you know, with, with the regulations and the compliance you have to adhere to, I mean, how, how are you guys thinking about how you might, you know, leverage something within a large language model, but still keep it within the context of, of a regulated industry? I think it's about being really sen- sensible and clear about what, exactly what you said, what we want out of it. What do we want to achieve with it that we're not achieving with something like an NLU-based automation or something like that and um okay if that is that there's that delta there about what we're not achieving but we want to can we control it um so i think there's a a, you know there's obvious clear ways we could do that that's lower risk like condensing um 
I always say they're ironically called frequently asked questions because often they're not frequently asked at all, but they're just questions. But, you know, condensing all of that knowledge into a way that's super digestible. And I think, you know, uh, out of what we can talk about, that's where we'll be going. And it's until we have a clear way to ensure that everything is accurate, um, equitable, like that we're treating every interaction the same because that's the other risk of it is um, bias creeps in. How do you make sure that 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 is controlled, especially when you've got so much data about customers and you know how they use their phone and how you just being super sensitive with how you use that is is going to drive the you know the the when of it all because I think it's a when not if. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right. And any you know organizations we're talking to, working with, it's the same thing. They're still going through the um, I wouldn't say evaluation phase, but they're looking about how they can leverage. And I think the answer mm-hmm. thus far has invariably been yes with these caveats. Um, yeah. And the job and responsibility is for us as technologists and vendors and providers and supposedly knowledgeable people in this space is to, to help <laughs> them with those caveats um, because it's the yeah. e- easiest thing in the world to say, yeah, use GPT, use a large language model. It'll answer all your questions and solve everything. We all we all know it won't, even though there are some people that uh, might think it will. Um, take me back to, again, the Vodafone project as much as you can. So the volumes, and I, I, I was trying to look it up, and I, sh- I ran out of time before I jumped on the call here. You had a brilliant <laughs> meme I seen the other day on, you went to, went to Unparched, and again, I was away on yeah. holidays last week, so I did miss that, and it sounded like a really good event. But there was a meme that you threw up around. Um, explain that yeah. as much as one can in a in a non visual sense. We'll flash it up somewhere. Um, yeah, they're very much about the um, the journey of us creating Toby. So it's an important context that as of kind of now, Toby takes nearly one million chats a month, so one million unique interactions a month, and that's from less than a thousand a month. If that right at the start, you know, one singular non-integrated journey pattern. And so the the meme that Oliver's talking about is um, I it, during that time, sorry, between like low chat to a, nearly a million is we added um, pro- over 250 additional journeys. And note that I said journeys and intents is somewhat separate mm. because that was over well over 350. And on a slide, that that sounds great to execs. Yeah, added 250 extra journeys. Great. And um, that is great until it's not great. And um, the meme is around that if you have low-code platforms, then it's really easy to add stuff into a bot, and you continue to do that. Your NLU is going to struggle to get ahead above water, and probably your conversation design teams are somewhere at the bottom of the ocean because they're trying to balance 300 individual journeys and get them really human-centric and get them written really well. And so um, maybe I'm not doing the meme justice. <laughs> uh, I, I, I um, whenever we publish this on LinkedIn, we'll do we'll do a wee link to your to your meme. It was brilliant. I think it captured. And I say I'm sorry I missed the the event in London. Was it last week or the week week before? I I know I was on vacation there, so I I did miss it. But it sounded like a great event as well. Yeah, shout out to the Impulse Crew. It was a, a brilliant conference, first of its kind, I believe, on uh, conversation design. So conversation design. And mm-hmm. Vodafone, so Vodafone, large organization, probably been around. I don't know how long our old Vodafone is, but I would imagine, like most large organizations, are set in their ways to some degree. So, mm-hmm. how do you go about um, convincing, if that's the right word, 
an organisation like Vodafone to pay attention, utilise mm-hmm. and really maximise the skills that you and your team have in conversational design? Yeah, um, I mean, it's been, it has been a long journey, I suppose six years of doing that. And it's funny how it's changed as well in that time. So making this as, as a legitimate practice, and as you say, somewhere like Vodafone, which is huge as a company, we've also, we're the UK branch of that, but there's a Vodafone in lots of countries um, that our group team kind of unite. And we started by calling kind of conversation analysis, but actually they weren't analyzing, it was creating and, you know, and actually back then when we started, probably conversation design, niche kind of pockets of people were referring to it as that. But certainly if you went into um, any meetings with your senior management, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Is it UX? Is it content? What are you talking about? And so the way that we kind of built that and built, and I've said trust a few times, but it is exactly that is getting they might not understand the details of the practice but they need to see the value of it mm. and so there's a few kind of ways we did that as um some really uh, simple as and i will recommend this to anyone that is setting up a new conversation design team in an org is um relatively early on probably a couple of years in we started doing exec design sessions and now I will say semi-risky because you do end up with um, one of your C-suite or senior leaders that have a uh, random skill in conversation design, you run the risk of um, them showing you up. But not likely, believe me. Um, and in that, it was about, okay, understanding what it takes to get a dialogue live or make it feel human or make it feel natural or as human as we want to go. And that was actually something like a light bulb moment to go, oh, this is, this is a thing, I guess. Um but the biggest way, because obviously that's one thing and you can understand it, but if you've got a budget and you and I'm asking for designers or we're trying to build a team, you've got to prove the value of it. So what we did a huge focus in, of tying conversational changes and design to core business KPIs. So, um, you know, going into how you kind of prove it's successful, there's the cost-saving elements, so measures like containment, which take chat out of the business with the, the frontline advisors. But then there's the experience one. So exactly your point earlier, like you might, you could easily achieve 100% containment because you could trap every customer in a in a bot experience with no out. Um, they're probably not going to tell their friends and family it was great though. So if we then measure the, the experience of it, like is this person going to tell their mom to try this bot or are they going to tell their friend that they had, I had a chat with Toby and it actually surprised me because he did this thing. Um, and so being able to tie design to like those benchmarkable KPIs like TNPS, effort score, um, satisfaction, resolution was the biggest thing to convince um, leadership of its value. And it is exactly that in a nutshell. Prove the value and then it'll prove, it, it'll prove your legitimacy. And UX went through a similar phase not so long ago in organizations. UX was the current, you know, what is it? What does it do? What is the psychology? What are you talking about? And they, it's the same thing. Tie it to the business KPIs and that's how you get the support, the trust that you're going to deliver on it. And and here we are. Um, you know, we're actually a, an established conversation design chapter in, in Vodafone UK now. Which is which is brilliant. And again, because I mean, you've been on this journey 
you know, not only building 250 journeys, but the journey of, of taking Vodafone into the, into the world of conversational design and the importance of it. And when, you know, whatever, four or five years ago when chatbots started to become quite uh, popular, I think there was very much, and I've seen it in a lot of organizations, um, yeah, we'll build you a chatbot. And the reality is anybody can build a chatbot in a matter of hours probably. Um, so there's a lot of this let, you know, it's it's really easy. The technology's simple, throw it up there and then um, run away from it. Um, <laughs> and I think, and again, it, it's history always repeats itself in my view. And when we started, I remember doing speech recognition back in the early 2000s and it was the same thing. Like it was brilliant, it works. But the reality is you need to feed, what I've called feed and water these systems. You need to be reviewing. And obviously that's how you guys have started. You said you started from a small number of journeys and you built up over mm -hmm. the six years? Yeah. Yeah, we, and, and being completely honest, it's probably, you know, in that time, not the the best, with hindsight, you go, why did we decide to do that? But that's hindsight for you, isn't it? But um, we started with one or two non-integrated journeys. And by non-integrated, I mean, giving out basic information, but actually it was information that you could probably get from the site as well. Yeah. And we knew fairly early that to get back to my value point, to get value out of it is it's all about personalized experiences, integrating into customers' accounts, um, you know, being able to do the thing. So it's no good telling them that they can go and do it themselves because they're in, to you, again, your earlier point, like they're in that chat for a reason because they need support. So it's important that the chatbot can go actually do things. And so, um, you know, one of the, those 250 journeys, actually probably one of the things we necessarily didn't get entirely right is adding more of that non-integrated stuff. Mm. And, you know, talking about maintaining them, we suddenly realized that that's when suddenly become less accurate. So actually getting to those good integrated journeys is harder. Um, you suddenly got less time to devote to crafting the journey, you know, iterating on the journeys as you learn more about how customers are using it because it's an overwhelming amount of a conversations, you know, you can't possibly review 800,000 chats with it, yeah. unless you have a team dedicated to it. Um, and so it's also about acknowledging that because this is quite a new path, we're going to not necessarily get it spot on every time. So then because then we've proven the value, at least at Vodafone, of the value of having a bot, We've got that trust to say, hey, we kind of we should take some of this out now. Let's pull some of this content because it's not it's not doing what you need anyway. So let's be a bit courageous, a bit brave, and focus on those really specific, um, actually useful yeah. use cases. Yeah, it's, it's the comment you made, you know, a while back on the frequently asked questions. I I agree with you. It's a complete misnomer. They the frequently again, I've seen this for customers. We'll give you a list of you know, 40, 50, 60, here are all our FAQs. Can you put these all into the bottle? Okay, we will. We reviewed them in two months' time and three questions have been asked of a, tip, of a, of a specific type. So, um, and, yeah. I, and I think trying to wean customers or, you know, organizations off that is, is difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, even internally, we're, you know, we're, I'm blessed in that I'm on the client side. <laughs> so um, we have one company to worry about, but... Um, even then, like if you're trying to tell someone who owns a proposition, hey, it's probably not going to make it to a dialogue because here's the data that shows me that sorry, no one's asking about about it. 
well, they're certainly not asking about it in the way that you're telling me. And it's that jargon thing again, is that when we name something, doesn't doesn't mean that customers are going to call it that. Um, this is not necessarily a product we had. I think back to Brexit, um, and when people were asking questions about what they're ro- what they meant for their roaming, they didn't say, "Hey, how's Brexit going to affect my charges?" Which is the perfect question, and of course, it would get it right. They're saying things like, "When we leave the EU, what's going to happen?" And you know, that's where it's translating the. They don't mean to the world because yeah. <laughs> none of us can answer that. Um, they mean specifically about the context of them as a Vodafone customer, and it's that mindset for the business to go. Customers don't speak like you do because you understand this. This is new to them, or this is different for them. So, yeah, um, I think we managed to do that by proving out we because we do measure our accuracy. That's a KPI kind of we share across the business as well to say hey, this is how accurate, you know, through testing methods that Toby is today. And you could see the night and day between mm. here's with all this stuff that nobody ever asked, and over here is when we focus it on what people really need help with. And, you know, you, the, the scores shoot up. And then it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so it sounds like such an easy thing to say, like having the data to back up those things makes up a difference. Yeah, and again, it's another, and I think as as this whole space becomes more mature, I think our organizations are now investing. I clearly Vodafone are with, you know, the type, the, the team, and it's, you know, obviously you have a conversation mm-hmm. AI team around it, but I guess there are lots of other elements to the overall team that makes Toby a success that it is. And, you know, I think organizations are willing, are m- more willing to invest, I guess. Yeah, and having those cross-functional squads is super important for delivery because, you know, design team can't do it on their own and we're fortunate in Vodafone to have been kind of embedded as part of our digital function mm-hmm. and that is a game changer because Toby was actually born um, in like a customer care area as a bit of a proof of concept hey is this gonna do what we need it to do um and actually what that meant is you're kind of developing a complex piece of you know piece of kit over here but you're separate to your, your main digital function so by being embedded in that, that's super helpful because that cross-functional squad delivery of different skills, design is a key part of that, but so is a developer and so is a product owner and so is the people that's driving all of it forward. Um, that's, I think, the way we've been able to move at some considerable pace, yeah. actually, through the through the years. I think that's an interesting point. Again, I've seen it you know, over the years, that demarcation between what you know, this customer care or, or contact center technology or whatever you want to call it, vis-a-vis the, you know, the digital, the marketing, the website, and this, you know, rather large wall um, between mm-hmm. the two parts of the organization that just simply do not communicate or talk. Um, and actually, I'm glad to hear that that's the way Vodafone are handling it because I think you're, at, well, you've got the proof points to show that it's fundamental to the success. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't, you know, you're probably starting with the, uh, failure pretty much guaranteed yeah. or, or limited success should I say maybe yeah and you know you mentioned on past in, in part of my session in that conference I talked about the importance of people at mm. the centre of all this and I am you know anyone that's listening will not be surprised if they talk to me about this ever um, is we should not gatekeep these skills either because 
are for Vodafone this is quite easy we've got a large frontline organization but they are gold mines for information they understand customers and they're going to translate what that means for a customer because we all know that what people say isn't sometimes what they mean mm. so um, they might ask for a thing but what they're talking about is something it's like a nuanced version of that and that's where kind of contact center and care actually supports the digital function and it's as simple as involving them <laughs> and you know um ask about is this hitting the mark and for people that deal with customer complaints or you know something like that what can we learn from them like how can we prevent that complaint getting to them in the future by something like a chatbot um and so it's that human element in a digital function is how we're going to make it good yeah and that is even down to reading uh the transcript so i know at rasa they call it they they've you know they've got the term cdd the conversation driven development something that we absolutely live by which the stats will tell you some but you will only fully understand it if you're in that moment with the user and you go oh they said what and it did what um and driving your backlog and your roadmap with that stuff as well so it's a people are the center of this and without it it's gonna that's why you know the scary question at weddings and events when our llm's gonna take over Nah. <laughs> well, yeah, um. my, my, you know, and it's the same with every technology. I think now, obviously, AI will continue to develop and change. But my answer is typically, it's not the technology; it's the humans who use the technology that make it good, bad, successful, or otherwise. You know, now, obviously, yeah. AI will evolve. I'm sure at some point, too, it has um, a higher level exactly. of intelligence than it currently has because it's a very LLM are very good at understanding yeah. language and words that's essentially what they're very good at yeah there's that quote isn't it it's like um, LLMs won't take your job but someone that knows how to use them might that's, um. <laughs> that is actually that's spot on and I'll be using that one again I think you're absolutely right <laughs> and that's um, I think that's where it's going I'm conscious of time and I've, I've usurped a lot of your time not so far Bef before we wrap um You've obviously been involved in this uh, for quite a while. Um, we, where do you see it going? And I suppose, I mean, you've obviously had a lot of success, what you've done uh, at Vodafone with Toby. I mean, what are the things that you're thinking of, right, you know, six months, 12 months, 24 months that we need to be considering? Well, right as one we were just talking about, LLMs are not going anywhere in terms of discussion points, I don't think. They're, and those advanced technologies are going to be i think center of those for me specifically that is about how does this job and how does the design teams in this job today evolve with the tech and how does that change because it's going to be elements that will get easier but then it just it, i don't think there will be no need for a design team for example but the the way that you control the experience might differ I mean, I'm probably cheating there because it's actually not six to 12 months. I was probably further out than that. But I think the thinking is going to be, you know, these com this coming year is going to be the thinking, the how, the when. And um, I don't think that's unique to Vodafone. I think that anyone out there in a similar area is going to probably have the same discussions for the next year. Yeah. So it's probably a bit of a cheat answer there because that's the obvious one. No, I, um, I, I think it's, I mean, <laughs> it, it's the... Uh... It's the one that's in, in eye line and eyesight for everybody. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, um, as I say, being able to talk 
it's probably the first time in a long time, and I've been in the industry now for too long, but the first time in a long time where you're um, at a social or a family occasion and, and people are coming and asking you about what you actually do and try, yeah. <laughs> trying to understand. Because many, many years ago when I used to say, you know those systems that you press one and you press two when you ring such and such? Well, we build those. And they used to look at you with disdain and distaste. <laughs> So at least I've had, I've had actually people come on and buy me drinks as well now, which is tell me more. So I I think I, it's um it, it's actually an interesting time to be in the industry, definitely. And there's lots of change, and it's obviously getting quite a high profile. So I'm looking forward to more yeah. of the same. Yeah, to more and more difficult questions at public, like at family events, and like, oh, don't know the answer that one but no it, it, it i am glad i like my mom sammy understands what i do for a living now <laughs> if, if nothing else that's something to be proud of yeah, well we can thank ChatGBT and open ai for their wonderful marketing and uh have enlightened probably half the global population if not more than in terms of what people like yourself and to a lesser degree what i do so um hopefully it continues in that vein not thank you very much it's been brilliant chatting to you um really enjoyed the conversation uh depth of knowledge as always thank you and um i think certainly we'll uh we'll pick up again in the future and maybe run we'll come back to you in maybe six or or, or 12 months and how's that thinking gone <laughs> see, how, see how that thinking's gone to see how toby's performing oh thanks so much for having me uh I've any opportunity to talk about it and I'm there <laughs> so it's been great thanks so much well it's been a, been a great uh, great chat and it'll be a great listen for our listeners thanks Nat thanks so much